Hello everyone. Today's episode is on the great, the valiant St. Joan of Arc. We open with this episode discussing a battle that takes place on a bridge between the French and the English. And then later we jump into the life of Joan of Arc with taking breaks to talk about the mystical and magical elements of her life. And then as always, we close with her patronages as well as traditional folkloric spells and workings to honor and get the assistance of the great saint. Had a lot of fun recording this one, and as always, full show notes with all of the workings, all of the details are available on the Patreon. The link is in the bio. Also on Patreon, uh, we are currently mapping out every kind of blessing and prayer you need this month deliverance prayers, home blessings, statue blessings, amulet blessings. I just did a blessing for bells where if you can ring the bell, it'll cast out all of the dark and the demonic. So check out the Patreon too and enjoy this episode. I really enjoy the energy and the story of Joan and I hope you do too. Enjoy. The bridge had been cut off in the war. On the southern side were the barricades for the French, and the northern side were the barricades for the English. General Glassdale, a leader of the English army, stood proud on his horse as he spoke to his men, gloating on about how they crushed the French troops, bragging about how they destroyed villages and laughing as he recalled how the townspeople fled in fear. In the distance, a messenger approached the general with a letter. The pompous Glassdale rolled his eyes, knowing it was yet another rambling from the maid of Orléans, Joan of Arc. She had been incessantly sending letters, saying she was writing on behalf of St. Michael and how the archangel is demanding the English lay down their arms and forfeit the battle. Glassdale slapped the letter out of the messenger's hand. I don't want to read another one of her psychotic ramblings. She's nothing but a lunatic, a whore. That's it. Messenger, please dictate my reply. Tell Joan of Arc, the cowgirl, that her and her pimps can kindly throw themselves off this bridge if they wish to surrender. And please note that once we get our hands on her, we will torture her endlessly with great amusement. But before Glassdale could finish speaking, he heard a voice yelling out in the fog, and in the distance was a tiny silhouette standing behind the barricades. It was Joan of Arc, the maid of Orléans herself. Though small in stature, her voice echoed, Glassdale, Glassdale, yield. Yield to the king of heaven. You have called me whore, and I pity your soul and the souls of your men. And before anyone could react, an invisible force rammed into the side of Glassdale, knocking him into the river below. 
and in his full armor he sank like a rock into his watery grave. Intense gusts of wind then began to knock over horses, carts, weapons, and tents. The remaining men tried to run from this supernatural force, screaming and crying. They clawed at dirt, grasping at whatever they could, all as the forceful winds inched them closer and closer to the edge of the bridge, closer and closer to their death. Meanwhile, past the barricade, away from the chaos, Joan of Arc dropped to her knees, soared at her feet, and wept. Have you ever felt like a misfit, an outcast, a being that simply does not belong? Even when you try, you feel alien. You feel like you're putting on your human mask again, just to feel seen and just to get by. Do you ever feel so distant from society because you look, think, act, believe, love, or pray in a different way? Have you ever been shamed for your views on God? For your views on the mystical? Have you ever been shunned for your views on gender? For your views on sex or sexuality? Or for your own sexual and gender identity? Have you? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty, for their needs will be quenched. But blessed are the outcasts, the lowly, the tired, the struggling, the different. For they are the bright spots in the mosaic of God's creation, and they will become saints. Saint Joan of Arc is a prime example of the ineptitude and hypocrisy of the early Catholic Church, a time in which I have spoken of before when the magical side of Catholicism was beginning to be stamped out. Joan of Arc was considered a witch for hearing the divine, for talking to God, for receiving divine visions. Though were the great prophets like Moses or Elijah burned at the stake? Were the great saints who came before Joan considered witches, Saints Catherine, Gertrude, Claire, Agatha, Elizabeth, and dozens more communed with God, but they weren't burned alive? The heresy and execution was not because of Joan's gifts of prophecy. No, like the best martyrs, from Peter the Apostle, to Thomas More, to St. John the Baptist, to Christ himself, Joan was executed because Joan was a threat. Unlike the saints I mentioned, Joan was not a cloistered nun receiving visions in the safety of a convent. No, Joan of Arc was a warrior receiving visions in a battlefield. Joan was a thorn in the side of King Henry, 
with visions to lead France into a battle against England. Moreover, she was seen as a mere mascot rather than a warrior. And yet Joan still successfully led France into victorious battles which surely must be nothing more than the power of the devil. Of witchcraft, right? Because how could someone untrained, unskilled, just miraculously become a successful general? Especially since Joan, who was biologically female, yet she lived her life as neither male or female and instead as a third order all of its own. And of course, that's another reason why Joan had to die. How could someone born female truly believe that God called them to live their life genderless? Brothers and sisters, I often reiterate that sin is nothing more than blockages that keep us from communing with God. And yet again, labels are here to rear their ugly heads, for labels are one of the largest sins of them all. Man or woman, God or Satan, divine or demonic, prayer or spell, witch or saint. This is another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, and I am your host, yet another heretic waiting to burn at the stake, W. Peace be with you and with your spirit. So... There are literally thousands upon thousands of books, movies, plays, podcasts, and more that tell the story of Joan of Arc. And to really get to know Joan, you would have to do a deep dive into 14th century France, the Hundred Years' War, the trajectory of Kings Henry and Charles, the political systems of the time, and the roles that the church played in monarchies. So I'm saying all of that to say that for a really deep understanding of Joan, you kind of have to know the era she was born in, and that is not something I can summarize in probably an hour-ish long podcast. So in other words, whatever I say in this episode, there is still so much more you can dive into about the great Joan of Arc. So my goal here is to, one, give you enough insight on the mystical elements of the great Saint Joan so you can feel comfortable in placing them on your altar. And then two, wetting your appetite so that you will feel compelled to dive even more deeply into the ins and outs of their very valiant and extraordinary life. And as you know, I'm an advocate for making Saint work personalized. Sure, you have your traditional offerings. Expedite likes his pound cake. Anthony can be used for finding lost things. However, the real true power in saint work comes when you can tap into your own creativity. When you find a unique offering or a unique saint who might fit a unique need. So, like in all episodes, I am going to give you the general info, the traditional folkloric ways of working with St. Joan, but don't focus on the finger that's pointing. Instead, focus on the path. Take this as a jumping off point so you can be creative and personal in your connection with all the saints, but in this case, St. Joan. So I feel the best way to 
do a podcast on the life of St. Joan is to discuss a few of the key milestones in her life and then pause to relate them back to magic, to mysticism, to spirituality. So let's do that. So Joan of Arc was born as a poor peasant in France in 1412, and she began to have divine and supernatural experiences at a very young age. Namely, her key supernatural experience was that she would hear voices of saints and angels, and they would guide Joan in making decisions. And we can stop there because there's actually a lot to unpack just with that brief intro. Namely, the timing here is really important. In the early 1400s, the church was not as unified as it would later be in regards to dogma. This is what I spoke about in the deconstruction episode, where I talk about it was not uncommon for things to be more spiritual, more magical, then the Council of Trent came and kind of messed that up a little bit. They made things really black or white. It's either demonic or it's uh, divine. Uh, there's actually a story where St. Joan was, was walking through the forest later when she would become a warrior, a captain, and she stopped at a tree that she recognized in her youth, and she called it a fairy tree where fairies lived. And that is exactly what I was talking about in the Reconstruction episode, which I love. And that is the fact that it was not uncommon for Catholics or Christians to believe in other spirits. Everything wasn't a demon or an angel. There were earth spirits. So you actually see that in her upbringing. So the fact that she believed that she could commune with the divine could also just be largely because of her upbringing. She may have been taught that this was normal to hear and speak to angels and uh, saints. This was also about 25 years or so before the Spanish Inquisition, and that was when the church would essentially burn people alive if they were teaching things that were against the church. So what I'm getting at here is movements that centered around weeding out quote-unquote enemies of the church began around the time of Joan's birth. And then less than 100 years after her birth, the Council of Trent would make sweeping changes. Uh, so the timing is important because Joan likely grew up in a village that encouraged this spookier form of Catholicism, and yet, meanwhile, a movement was brewing to burn heretics, which, spoiler alert, would later catch up to Joan in their very brief life. Alright, so the timing is important, keep that in mind. And as I said, Joan's primary spiritual gifts were through what Joan called the voices, which uh, they revealed themselves as St. Michael the Archangel, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret. She also had some connections with St. Gabriel as well. So her primary gifts were her ability to speak and get messages from St. Michael, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret. And I find this very fitting because many of you listening may have your own spiritual court. It could be saints, deities, and spirits. 
though this is a great showing of how early Christian thought was more magical, but also a lovely concept that you can fit into your practice too. It wasn't uncommon to have your patron saints in devotion to them. Of course, Joan had the gift to communicate with them quite fully. Joan would say they spoke French to Joan. So it's a little different than us, but Joan's voices would eventually tell Joan that they wanted Joan to assist France in the defeat of England and to install Charles as king and to finally end the Hundred Years' War. Now, why would they do this? That's complicated. Remember earlier I said political context was important to really understand Joan, but I guess the most brief explanation here is that God wanted to end a war that had gone on hundreds of years, and England winning would have assisted in the spread of almost Anglicanism and eventually stop out Catholicism, though that's also not totally true because the English Catholics were also kind of fighting against the French Catholics. It's complex, but yes, her saints and angels did tell her to wage war. So, so I'd like to also point out that Joan's eventual canonization and veneration by the church was not for Joan's decision to kill English Christians in battle, uh, but it was actually for Joan's eventual martyrdom. So, later, uh, during the trials, Joan would also mention how the voices said that Joan should live their life as a man. Though other sources uh, say that the voices told Joan to live their life neither a man nor a woman and as almost a third order. Of course, I also think this is important. It showcases our need for labels and ultimately the church and the government would use this against Joan in court to showcase witchery and heresy, right? Because God makes you a man or a woman and she said, nope, I'm neither. And that was used against her in court. And this is the first of many deeply spiritual teachings from Joan's life, where going beyond labels and having a personal communion with the divine wasn't seen as spiritual, but instead it was seen as threatening or even demonic. But in Joan's heart, they were just following God in the way that God commanded. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves though. So back to young Joan. She was young the whole time, but back to earlier in her story. So upon hearing more from the voices, Joan decided to formally try and join the military. Joan was likely only 16 years old or so at this time, and for all intents and purposes, a woman. And yet the town began to rally around Joan for her charisma and dedication. Eventually the court relented and let young Joan join even as a captain, though they basically thought of Joan as a mascot rather than a true captain. They essentially saw a young quote-unquote woman who was super patriotic, wanting to lead an army. So they let her join and relented. There's also some more spooky stuff in here. She convinced the court um, to let her join through a few different supernatural and prophetic acts. Uh, she was able to um, recite the prayer that the future King Charles would say each night. She would also, she was also able to, um, let him know the location of a lost sword that he lost in battle. So there was also some prophetic elements 
that led to them saying, okay, she's she does have this this gift, let's let her join. And during battle, she really started to showcase her supernatural and miraculous tendencies. She would heal her fellow soldiers just with her with a touch. She had arrows shot through her neck, but she survived. Um, in battle, she was also known for writing letters to, to the enemy, often sending them through arrows shot over enemy lines. And the letters were often asking them to retreat, repent, and to turn to God. And oftentimes the letters were written on behalf of St. Michael, Margaret, and Catherine. And eventually, because of the death of some of the higher-ranking soldiers, Joan began to take charge and led troops into battle and despite the French being dominated the majority of the war, Joan seemed to have a gift of war strategy and acumen, and she said that all of her battles and all of her strategy was given to her directly from St. Michael, and she also had psychic visions of where the enemy was going to be and things like that, and that was actually a legitimate historical turning point in the war where France started to, to clean house and started to win. So, Hundred Years' War, dictated by St. Michael the Archangel a little bit. And I'm rushing ahead a little bit, but eventually part of her prophecy was filled, and Charles, who was a leader in the war, became king. And Joan remained a general for the French army, though Joan stopped listening to the voices. And it was from pressure, right? The other generals, the king, they disagreed with Joan and Joan's voices. So she was forced to disobey them. And that's when things started taking a turn for the worse in regards to battle. And there's an obvious analogy there and a lesson. How often do we go against our intuition? How often do we go against our gut to meet the desires of someone else? So eventually, unfortunately, Joan was captured in battle and imprisoned. And at this point, Joan was a celebrity, she was a threat, she was a thorn in the side of England, both because of her snarky, sassy letters sent by Arrow, but also because she started kicking England's ass. So they captured Joan and they needed something to charge Joan with. So the English church leaders, and that includes Anglican, Protestant, and Catholic English church leaders, so that includes the bishops and cardinals of the English church, they chose to charge her with heresy and witchcraft. The witchcraft was the fact that she was getting these calls from the divine, though that was essentially flimsy. What they really burned her at the stake for was the gender thing was the fact that she claimed to not be man or woman. Though the witchcraft was still an element, but at that time, it was hard to prove. And burning at the stake was often symbolic. They actually burned the body after they were hanged. Uh, Joan, though, was burned alive for humiliation and torture. And it's said that Joan was burned twice for good measure and Joan's heart didn't burn, and it was kept as a relic. The heartbreaking part is, well, all of it's heartbreaking, but 
a major heartbreak is that King Charles, the man Joan fought for, he could have interceded, but he didn't. He didn't want to cross lines with the English Catholic clergymen who held powerful positions within the Catholic Church. Uh, the papal church, so the, the Pope in Rome, the papacy, they didn't want to exacerbate the war, so they stayed out of it. And thus, Joan died a martyr. And even the English knew that what they did was pretty messed up. Uh, the cardinals and the bishops who put her on trial later confessed that they knew it was wrong. Joan of Arc was then retried years after by the church. In this time, Joan was found to have done nothing wrong, and thus Joan was made an official martyr and venerated by Catholics throughout France and later around the world. And of course, Joan's esoteric leaning, the fact that she could commune with the divine, hear voices, that she was a personal friend of Michael the Archangel, that led her to be associated with a lot of the more esoteric leaning Christian secret societies like the Knights Templar, the Knights Hospitaller, and many other sects. They were believed to have a devotion to her. It wasn't until 1920 that she was officially canonized a saint. And that sounds like a long time, but the official canonization process that we know today wasn't fully ironed out and formed until the early 1700s, and they had a lot of catching up to do. Uh, but still, even then, Joan was a very subversive saint, and she still is. She fought in a war against other Christians. Joan did not have a gender. Joan believed in esoteric Christianity. They were a political rebel. Their death was a dark spot for the early church. So yes, there probably was also reason why she was at the, the bottom of the list when they made a formal process. The official canonization process requires three miracles after death. Martyrs, though, they only need one. But Joan provided three anyway. Uh, three nuns were cured from cancer after praying to Joan, another was cured of tuberculosis, and another woman had a hole in her foot that was miraculously healed and closed after praying to Joan of Arc. And these weren't the only miracles that happened. Um, these were just the miracles that the church officially accepted, and the church actually does have very stringent rules about what is a miracle and what is not a miracle in the canonization process. So there probably were many more, but those were the few that made it in the official archive. Like Padre Pio is another example of that. There are literal vaults and vaults and vaults of documentations of miracles, but the church only selected four or five. Um, so that's another rabbit hole for another episode, though it's just interesting because the church does have criteria for a miracle to be part of the canonization process, but they also keep the other miracles because they're still really cool and should still be part of the, the saint's file, I guess you could say. So over the years, Joan has become the symbol of how a person can be holy, a saint, and yet still have views and beliefs that challenge the norm. And her powerful magic, her communion with the divine, her authority and power to perform miracles, of course was seen as a threat to authority, and of course is attractive 
to those of us with a witchy, rebellious heart. Alright, so that was 25 or so minutes of <laughs> Joan of Arc's life story, which is typically in books that are 500 plus pages and movies that are two hours long. So there's plenty more you can dive into, but I do think that those were kind of the highlights. And it's enough for you to kind of get to know Joan so you can start incorporating Joan into your own practice, but there's so much more. There's so much more. Um, a few of the things I mentioned, there are also other rabbit holes, like the how secret societies would revere her. That's a whole other Google you guys can go down. So let's talk about using her in saint magic and folk magic and folk Catholicism. So Joan's feast day is May 30th. And I am recording this in April, so hopefully that gives you a little time to prepare for Joan's feast day. Joan's color is gray. A lot of saints have colors. Of course, um, you see like Joseph is a yellow and green because he's often seen in a yellow or green robe. And same here, Joan's is gray because Joan is often seen in gray armor. Joan's patronages or favorite people. I'd certainly classify Joan as a protection saint. That is what Joan is most known for. Though, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I said at the beginning of this one, yes, there are traditional patronages, but don't stop there. Though most of the folkloric and history and traditional workings with Joan do center around protection. And she is the patron of outcast, those who do not fit in non-binary and trans people, prisoners, soldiers, but most of all, Joan favorites anyone that admires and invokes their name. Joan is also the guardian of those doing radio, since Joan heard voices, and Joan can also be invoked by ghost hunters who come across hostile EVP spirits. And I think I found a good quote in Judica Isles' uh, Encyclopedia of Mystics, Saints, and Sages, and she sums it up very beautifully. Joan is petitioned for courage in the face of adversity and the strength to be true to one's own convictions. Request Joan's assistance if you too wish to commune with angels and saints. I think that was beautiful. As far as offerings go, Joan was an unpretentious person Joan was a peasant, so Joan prefers country or simple food rather than fancy French cuisine. You'll often see figurines of horses and knights on a Joan of Arc altar, as well as gifts representing the angels and saints that she loved. So Michael, um, Gabriel is in there because some variations of her first communication with Michael and the Saints, Gabriel was the one who made that introduction. Um, there's also the Saints, so St. Margaret, St. Catherine. There's also uh, a lot of things that are named after Joan. There's beer, there's cheese, and more, uh, and those also make for a good offering. Here is a interesting tidbit, though, for working with Joan of Arc. Candles. See where I'm going out with this? So candles are usually a standard offering for saints, but some practitioners say that due to how Joan died, 
a glass of water might be a little more appropriate. Uh, they do make Joan of Arc Novena candles, and if you're just a, a candle type of person, feel free to stick with the candle, though. I have seen that in a few of my sources that steer away a little bit from the candle magic with Joan and instead just use a, a prayer card and a glass of water or a statue of, of Joan. All right, so let's talk about a few traditional workings with Joan of Arc. One that I have come across in a few sources is a very simple protection spell. So it said you will designate a small gray candle for each member of your household and using a sharp pointed tool, carve each person's name into the candle and petition Joan to invoke their protection and then light the candles. And while they are burning, petition some more. Continue this ritual for nine days. So this is kind of a more folksy novena. You have a candle for each person in your house, carve their name into it, very folksy, and burn it for the nine days like you would a novena and petition the whole way through. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to talk about some tie-in with Joan and another saint. And that other saint that I will talk about also has a very similar candle um, spell. But that's a very simple one. And I like that it's simple because Joan was simple. Um, Joan was just a simple French peasant turned warrior who just wanted to, to battle. Uh, so I like that Joan has simple spells and workings. And another is a Joan of Arc mojo bag, brevi bag, charm bag, whatever you call your bags <laughs> for protection. What you do is you have a small gray pouch or a piece of flannel or fabric that is gray. And within it, you're going to put exercise salt a medal of Joan's voices, or at least St. Michael. So you can do all the saints or just St. Michael. It's probably easier. St. Michael is the most common medal. You can find it most of anywhere. You're also gonna put hyssop in there and any kind of protection oil. So in this case, I personally would use a fiery wall of protection oil because that has a tie-in with St. Michael. And if you're using just a piece of fabric, I would tie it up with red lace or ribbon because red, it has that protective quality to it. And then on the outside of the pouch, you are going to use a safety pin to connect a Joan of Arc medal. So I will repeat, you will put in it exercise salt. If you are a member of the Patreon, uh, look in the prayers tab and there will be a holy water blessing ritual, and within that holy water blessing ritual, there is also an exercise salt ritual. If you're not a member of the Patreon, here's the time for the plug. Join the Patreon. So in the gray pouch, again, exercise salt, a medal of all of Joan's quote unquote voices, or at least St. Michael, hyssop, and a protection oil. And then you're going to ball it up and tie it together with red lace or ribbon, and on the outside, attach a Joan of Arc medal. And here you can say any prayer to St. Joan, though there is a traditional protection novena prayer that I really like. And it goes, St. Joan of Arc, filled with compassion, filled with love for those who suffer, heavily laden with the weight of my troubles, I kneel at your feet and humbly beg you, to take my present need 
under your special protection. And now here, just like a novena, you would state your intention, though, for protection. It would be something along the lines of, St. Joan, please protect me as I carry this pouch that I made in honor of you and your beloved voices. I humbly request for your protection in the name of God Almighty. Amen. Though the most common way to work with Joan of Arc, and you're not going to like it, everyone loves an instruction manual. Everyone loves to just be told how to do it. But sometimes the easiest way to work with a saint is just talk to the saint and just pray to the saint. Saint Joan of Arc spoke and communicated with angels and saints. So of course, the easiest way to talk to Joan is to just talk to Joan. <laughs> so Joan is seen a lot in traditional Catholicism, but also hoodoo, Louisiana voodoo, which is really interesting, Southern conjure and more. Yet they don't have a lot of mystical workings because like I said, Joan is said to be a saint you can simply call upon and Joan will be there. There's no need for fancy workings. A simple novena, a simple prayer will do. This is a lot like Anthony, St. Anthony of Padua. He has a similar candle spell that we mentioned earlier um, about uh, finding something lost. You, you would etch the thing into certain candles, pray over it all nine days. Um, there's also a Anthony protection spell that's pretty much the same thing as Joan's. Though the most common Anthony prayer and spell is what? It's either saying the little rhyme about Tony, Tony, please come down, or repeating his name until you find it. Uh, and Anthony, I named the podcast after him, is the face of, to me, saint work in folk Catholicism, and, and at least saint magic in a folk Catholicism context, but really simple to work with. So we can take a lot of things from Joan's story and also still incorporate them into our overall practice. Yes, Joan is often used for protection. And this goes back to what I keep saying about the remedy method, right? Instead of getting the how-to book, see what you need and how can you incorporate it in your practice. Yes, there's patronages and yes, there is historical workings, but explore, see what speaks to you, see what, see what speaks to your spirit. So yes, Joan of Arc is a very protective saint. But what else do we know about Joan? Joan was a prophet, so we could probably use Joan for divination. Joan convinced a court to let them join an army at 16 years old. So how about using Joan for the power of persuasion? And since we do know of them as a protective saint, what can we take from that? We can mix protective herbs with their saint card for a candle spell or even use their metal in a jar spell. It's all about creativity, and once you understand the story and get to know the saint, you can start incorporating it into your overall practice. So to recap, Joan of Arc was a misfit. She did not fit in, and she was eventually burned alive for simply being more prone to the mystical, more prone to the magical, and despite her claims that it came from God, she was still not believed. And as I've been echoing this whole episode that is so fitting for many of us, Joan also did not see gender as many people do or did, and thus she was persecuted for that as well. 
She was simply different. And in a world still today, mostly today, where conformity is very much pushed, also where labels are still very much pushed, Joan went beyond that. She went beyond the dogmatic teachings of the church and she listened to God in the forms of angels and saints. She went beyond the standard and communed with the divine. She went beyond the labels of gender, labels that a warrior must be a man. She went beyond that and got to the essence of things. And that makes her an incredible spiritual inspiration also a very powerful saint to work with. She knows what it's like to be persecuted. She knows what it's like to be judged for being different. She knows what it's like to be abused. She knows what it's like to be tortured. She knows what it's like to feel emotionally dragged down, bullied, and looked down upon, but physically as well, obviously. Joan is someone that can relate to you as a practitioner. So, I very much recommend the glorious Joan of Arc for your altar, especially for your heart and for your mind, because Joan would be delighted to work in your favor against those out to do you harm. As always, let's end this episode on the great Joan of Arc with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, great warrior Joan, God, the divine, blessed you with the gift to connect so closely to the angels and saints. And as a saint, you ascended into heaven as a leader of the divine celestial army. And thus, who better than to protect us here on earth? For Joan, you were persecuted for being different. You were persecuted for being what they would call a misfit, they would call a heretic. But all you wanted to do was honor God in the way that you deemed fit. Joan, many of the listeners here, could use you. They could use your voice to rally against those who oppose them. They could use your sword and your arrow straight into the hearts of the demons that give self-doubt and into the minds of those that oppose them and wish to do them harm here on the earthly realm. Saint Joan of Arc, Protect us, be with us, and grant us the courage that you had, and grant us the openness to be free from blockages so that we too can commune with the divine and commune with you. Amen. This has been another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, and as always, I am your host, W. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, they can't burn us all. God bless you.